Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DNM on the stuff that matters. Hey, Lawsy. Good morning. Good morning. It's absolutely it's like the afternoon. Fifty-six in the afternoon. Yeah. I don't know why. Good morning to all you listeners because majority of the time you do listen in the morning. So just, just But if you listen at night, also good afternoon, good night, all the things. How are you going? I'm going good. I'm going good. I'm um I've just been in a really strangely good mood mood lately. But I think um it's baby it's hormones. all it's not probably probably my baby hormones, but I think also it's just this time of year, you know? Just it's getting warmer. Christmas is coming, restrictions are easing. It's just, it's becoming a, a good time. And I just, I'm finding a lot of joy in the little things right now. How are you going? That's very nice. I'm good. And I can see behind you, I just want to say, all your Christmas <laughs> presents that you've already wrapped. And for they're anyone not all listening, of them. <laughs> well, you know, they're perfectly wrapped, they're color coordinated. With Christmas, you're either a Laura or you're a Steph. Steph has already planned, I'm guessing, all of her Christmas presents. She knows what she's getting, everyone. She's either ordered it or she's already wrapped it. <laughs> me, I will go to Chadston on the 24th of December and gives be me anxiety. frazzled. I will oh. have to wrap things in the middle of the night and I'll end up not being able to wrap them and saying, I mean, better for the environment if you don't wrap presents, if you ask me. <laughs> oh my God. Just put a ribbon on. Um, yeah, I feel like there's two people at Christmas and... I am not you, and you are not me, and I wish I was more you. like you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just enjoy it all so much. It's just, um, it's uh, my like one of my favorite parts about Christmas is giving presents to people, and um, I, I wouldn't say I'm the perfect uh, gift giver. I know a lot of people who happen to just nail it every time. You and do. I just, I'm you're so inspired great. by them. <laughs> you. I've always thought that about you, actually. You're very thoughtful no, that's with nice. your presents. And you're also very organised. It's like with the wedding. Steph is, I'm planning it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing some things now. But Steph has asked me every third day, what can I help with? What Have you done this? Have you done this? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And really, haven't even thought about that. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, there. you had a good day today, didn't you? You started yes. planning. Mm. Yeah, yeah, started. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's only three months away. <sighs> anyway, well, speaking of Christmas time and November time, another awesome part about the end of the year is the Black mm. Friday sales. But mm. the most awesome sale of all. No, this mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that. Is the keeper cleaner sale? sale. <laughs> Can I? Okay, it's the keeper cleaner sale because um, we might be biased. We always have our biggest sale of the year during this time, which is super exciting. It starts tomorrow, the 26th of November. So we have got 50% off of your first month on the month-to-month subscription, which means your first month will be less than $10. And also 50% off our three-monthly subscription, which is usually $50. Do the maths, take off. 50% 50% would make it $25. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing in Since my head. Since when have I been the mass person? $25 for three months of Keep It Cleaner. So we're really excited. We know we're coming into a time where in winter we get demotivated and that's okay. But if mm. you are looking for something to give you a little bit of motivation at this time, come and join us. We'd love you. And yeah, it is our biggest sale of the year. It is our biggest sale of the year and it's only around for a limited time. So make sure you jump on. You can either find us on the App Store, on the Android 
uh, Google Play Store or on our website, www.keepitcleaner.com.au. And now, Lawsy, for your special share for today. What is it? Yes. Mine is a meditation. So we have got a beautiful walking meditation in the app which is a pretty new one from our amazing meditation expert, Meg James. And I really, really love it because you start sitting down. So if you're at a park or something, it's a really nice thing. Cause I feel like sometimes when you go to the park, we're still on our phones. It's like a really mm. nice thing to just be present. And then you start walking eventually during the meditation. And it's a really mm. beautiful one. It only goes, it's under 10 minutes. So mm. I yeah highly recommend. And what have you got? It is a nice one. I'll admit I've tried it too and I, I do love it. Um, my special share this week is a quote, kind of a passage from a book um, from someone called Colleen M. Story. It's called Baby's Choice and I shared this on my stories and I had so many replies, not just from pregnant women or mums, but even some of my friends who um, I think just have that maternal connection who literally cried and teared up um, when they read it. And then since it's disappeared from my stories, I've had so many DMs from people being like, please reshare it. I need to know where it's from so that I can get it printed for my friend. But yes, yeah, called Baby's Choice. So I'll read it now. Did you ever think, dear mother, as the seeds of me you sowed, as you breathed new life inside of me and slowly watched me grow in all your dreams about me when you planned me out so well, when you couldn't wait to have me there inside your heart to dwell. Did you ever think that maybe I was planning for you too and choosing for my very own a mother just like you? A mother who smelled so sweet and who had hands so creamy white, a tender loving creature who would soothe me in the night. Did you ever think in all those days while you were coming due that as you planned a life for me, I sought a life with you? And now as I lay in your arms, I wonder if you knew while you were busy making me, I was choosing you. (laughs) That is so beautiful. Someone shared it with me and I just like, when I read it, I just started bawling my eyes out. I was like, that is so beautiful because just the idea of, exactly what it says like you know you you plan to have a baby or maybe sometimes you don't plan to have a baby and you have one anyway but um the idea that you know you're you're kind of building this relationship with it as it's in your belly and you're starting to fall in love with it already and the idea that you know it's choosing you as well as a family and everything is just I don't know it's so beautiful so I just I had to share it again (laughs) I love that thank you for sharing Sophie and I did I knew you were crying because I read an article about it Oh, my God. Not again. <laughs> the Daily Mail were onto you. Strikes again. <laughs> anyway, so now for today's podcast, which we are very, very thrilled mm-hmm. about. So Steph and I are very big fans of SAS Australia. We have loved watching it. And one person, we obviously admire a lot of the people on there, but one person that really stood out to us and we admire so much is Sabrina Frederick and we reached out to her and she came back to us and she wanted to come on and we were so 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 happy um, that she said yes and and she was open to sharing her story. She is a AFL women's player and then obviously a current contestant on SAS Australia. The way she is vulnerable, she's so honest and open and she has so many amazing messages to share and advice for getting through tough times in your life and also about your personal confidence. I think that was my favorite part of this conversation. There are so many, I called it a golden nugget in the show. 
Mm. In the interview, I'm like, I've never used that before. I'm going to use it again. Um, but yeah, it was it was such such an amazing interview. Yeah, it was so good getting to know her after admiring her so much on the screens. Um, but she's just such a legend to talk to, and you guys are gonna you guys are gonna love it. Thank you so much for joining us. We cannot tell you how excited we are and our team as well to, to listen to this podcast, but also to chat to you, especially after seeing you on our screens <laughs> so recently. But how are you going at the moment? It's so crazy. It's like the most intense season of my life. Like just generally with my football, I'm mm. in pre-season now, but also everything going on with the show. There's a lot of commitment um, as well with that and a lot of interest as well. So yeah, it's it's a lot, but I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the the love and support, and um, yeah, it's been it's been really nice. I'm just trying to juggle it all right now. <laughs> and I suppose it would be hard as well because we're obviously watching it now, and everyone mm-hmm. listening is watching it now. But you obviously or filmed it, you know, a bit of time ago, so you. You're having to kind of, I don't know if this is what you feel if you're watching it, but you're having to like emotionally emotionally relive these experiences that were just insane again yeah. on top of your schedule. Yeah, because like we show, we filmed it a few months ago and then you, you're going through that um, the emotions and then you're in survival mode so you sort of forget what actually happened. Having to mm. relive that again um, and through other people's expression and emotion as well, but... There are parts in the show that we don't get to see, like we don't get to see them talk about you and what they think of you. You don't get to mm. see the parts of your recruits and, and what they go through when you're not there. Um, and also you don't get to see the crazy expressions on your own face <laughs> and how you take it in when you're in there. So, yeah, it's it's been like a fly-on-the-wall experience. I've loved it. It's been interesting watching it all back, Yeah. And is it also, this is the last question before we get, we get into um, <laughs> your childhood, which we'd love to know about, and then we'll come back to it. But also, I wonder, do you see yourself like on an ad pop up on TV and think, oh my God, did I actually do that? Yeah. I, <laughs> it sounds strange, but like I, it's a pinch me moment with everything. Like I don't, I don't think I ever get used to it, which I think is quite cool. I get so excited mm. about everything. Um, like, um, my family, they save all the newspaper clippings and like mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And I don't think they'll ever get old. I think it's quite mm-hmm. fun. And, um, yeah, why not? Um, it's an absolute privilege to be able to do those things. And, um, yeah, it is quite strange when you look, look at yourself and go, is that what I sound like? Is that what I look like? <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's cool. It's really, really cool. So cool. And we can't wait to touch more on it a little bit later in the mm-hmm. chat. But you just touch on your family. And mm-hmm. we'd love to know, well, we'd love to start with your childhood in the UK before mm-hmm. you moved to Australia and any memories that, that you had from... How, how old were you when, when you did move to Australia? Um, I moved when I was seven, but I do have a lot of memories there. Um, yeah, born in Red Hill, Surrey, um, and spent a lot of time... Uh, in Brighton. I don't know if anyone will know where that is, who listens, but um, right near the the seaside um, where Angus Thongs was filmed, for anyone that has Mm -hmm. watched that. Um, Mm -hmm. Spent a lot of time along the beach there in the freezing cold. (laughs) Um, I was always the type of kid to be running around causing a bit of mischief. Um, 
I, I'm one of three, I'm the middle child, but um, I was always the one that had to be on those little like kid leads and my younger <laughs> brother wouldn't have to be. So I was always the one sort of causing a bit of mayhem in a good way, but always trying to, you know, push myself even from that age. Yeah, I guess this it's very, very different over there. Like the weather's very different. The schooling system's quite different. So when I actually made the transition to Australia, it was sort of a 180. Like I went from a school where you walk in and there's one entrance and there's brick and gates everywhere and you're wearing <laughs> your tie and it's sweaters to going to a school where, you know, it's open. There's no gates. Anyone can walk in off the street. And you have a bucket hat. <laughs> yeah, bucket hats. You have, you know, T-shirt and shorts and it's just the complete polar opposite. Um, and it was a bit of a culture shock for me. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the transition, especially because you can play more sport with warmer weather, but it was definitely something I had to, to get my head around. Yeah, of course. It's such a big move. My my family, both sides, were originally from, from England and mm. having half the family there and half the family here, but, but mum and dad always talk about, uh, dad especially because he moved when he was quite young as well, the, the opportunities that kind of, could arise coming over to Australia were kind of what excited his family as well. But when you did move, you moved to a rural town mm. and you, you've spoken openly before about kind of feeling like you're a bit on the outer and trying to always constantly fit in. Can you take us back to that kind of experience when you when you did transition over to Australia? I mean, I stand out anyway. I'm not small. I'm six foot tall and got very dark skin. And um, I think when I first moved to to Perth I moved Mm. to a rural town like you said so Mm. um the kids weren't I guess not I won't say cultured because that's not true but I think that a lot of the kids hadn't really left the area Mm -hmm. um and for them to see a dark-skinned person from the UK was a shock to them and I, I don't it wasn't like an offensive thing I just think they weren't exposed to it and um I think right from the beginning when you're a kid you're so naive and you just want to fit in like you just Mm. want to fit in and the worst feeling going to a new school when it's already hard trying to make friends is feeling like they don't know how to be around you and I took that quite to heart and for me I actually found it interesting that I was more gravitating to the Indigenous kids because they sort of understood that that fight I suppose they understood that um feeling so I sort of I was sort of more friends with those sort of kids um because we had an understanding my siblings didn't I've spoken to them about it but they didn't I don't think they had the same sort of issues that I did I think it was maybe just my year group weren't as as accepting I don't know but my personal experience was I just felt like I was always constantly trying to do things like trying to not sound English, trying to Mm. just do the things that they were doing. Um, And that's actually how I fell into playing AFL in a weird way, was just trying to fit in with everyone. And is that what you kind of found to be your coping mechanism for it? I suppose as such a young kid, it's hard to know that you know being unique is awesome because of you just you know you're just all everyone at school is telling you that it's not so was sport your outlet that you you kind of went to when you wanted to cope and get Mm. through it and try Mm. and I suppose be yourself definitely I think sport for me it's it's such a powerful vehicle because it's one thing that 
you're judged on your ability and I mm. love that like mm. not judged on what you look like where you come from your you know religious beliefs whatever it may be you're judged on what you actually can do and I think that always has been my outlet whatever sport it may be um I've always just tried to sink my teeth into to team sports and getting around people that way because you have a common goal and something you can actually um, work towards and agree on. Um, and every time that I had issues, I sort of wanted to go to training. I wanted to go and play games and things like that to obviously you get that, that endorphin hit anyway, but to feel like you belong somewhere um, for me was a massive thing at that age. Absolutely. I think that's the, the beautiful thing about team sports as well as, as kids. Um, that's amazing. And I love what you said about, you know, sport. You just, you just judged on your ability. And mm-hmm. it is true. It's kind of a time where everyone can just shine and be respected for their ability above anything else, which is, which is really cool. Um, unfortunately, though, we, you know, we've spoken about childhood, you know, being a bit naive and like other kids might not being as cultured or whatever. But unfortunately, even as you get older and you've definitely experienced casual racism while living in Australia, can you speak to how this has affected you in your life and maybe a message to those who maybe believe it doesn't exist or Mm. because they haven't experienced it themselves, they don't really Mm. know how it affects someone? Mm. I think I've been asked this question a lot recently and the only way that I can explain it is this quote that's it's death by a thousand cuts. And mm. for me, that's what casual racism is. It's this, it's small little digs, but mm. the more and more it happens, the more and more it builds up and the more and more it affects you. I think like starting from as long as I can remember having little things like little remarks and jokes, um, like, you know, skin skin colour jokes or um, people just assuming that, you know, you might go and steal something or things like that. Mm. As time goes on, yeah, you push it to the side and you laugh about it and whatever, but as you grow up, you then start to think, okay, sh- should I be feeling on edge? Should I, mm. should I be going to a store and keeping my receipts, which... I do to this day, like I never leave a store without a receipt. And as much as that sounds small, I don't feel like I can because the moment Mm. that someone comes and asks me if I have my receipt and I don't, I feel like I'm going to get accused of stealing. And I think that 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 stems from something that happened when I was Mm. really, Mm. really young. I know it sounds stupid, but it it might be small and I'm lucky that that's what's happened these small things like I'm glad that I didn't you know get beaten up because of it or lost someone because of because of it um but the fact that something like that can affect me now and how I approach things now I can only imagine what other people feel that you know Mm. get a lot worse than that and I think that the only way forward is conversations like this, sort of normalising it and letting people into those things because, yeah, of course, it's not going to be something that's, you know, comes easily to someone who doesn't go through that because you walk through life and, you know, don't grab a seat or whatever because it doesn't affect you. But I think just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
I think that quote is so powerful because I do think a lot of people believe that like if they don't, and I suppose that's the whole thing with casual racism, they think, oh, but I'm not, I'm not a racist. So, Mm. you know, I can make these jokes because I, you know, in my heart, I'm not a racist, but I think that the power in you saying that, you know, a thousand cuts that like, that is, that is what can Mm. really affect people. And I, I think um, for anyone listening that, even for anyone listening that that might be younger and struggling to explain it to people around them and and they might be feeling like they are being, you know, a minority and and people are discriminating against them, I think that's a really, really powerful way to explain it to them. Mm -hmm. So we'd love to touch now on your career as an Mm. AFL women's player. You play for Richmond now. You used to play for the Brisbane Lions. Yes. We would love to know what is for you the best and the worst part of being a professional sportswoman mm. in Australia? The best would be just getting the opportunity to play a game that I love at the highest level. Honestly, I, I love mm. the game. Love, love, love the game. Didn't have anyone in my family playing it that introduced me. It was genuinely just the pure love of the sport. And I love the fact that I get to play that at the highest level, without a doubt. Worst part about it, um, I think probably people's idea of um, like the fact that people think that they can criticise so much when they don't see the ins and outs of things all the time and people trying to be Mm -hmm. your coaches, I think that gets a bit frustrating. Um, I'm a massive sports fan, like all sports and I understand the passion for teams and I understand all that (laughs) I'm not saying that you can't get a bit you know a bit wild and rowdy and get you know a bit annoyed (laughs) but I think it's um I think it's when people start taking jabs at people's personalities because Mm. we are humans as well as athletes um and I think that's probably my biggest pet peeve when it comes to playing at the highest level so so many people are quick to just um, throw daggers at athletes um, and oh, it can absolutely. take a toll. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. can only imagine um, for, for an athlete how much, on top of everything that you guys already have to, to battle mentally um, mm. as well as physically, it's just like you don't need that. I only laughed before when Laura was asking the question. I have to explain why I laughed. I know you play for Richmond. So does, well, my husband doesn't play for Richmond. He goes for Richmond. He's a very big Tiggs fan and we've got a baby on the way and at the moment my family goes for Essendon and they've bought oh. Essendon like bibs and dummies no. and everything. <laughs> so they, they got in first. <laughs> but but he's like, nah, that's not happening. It's really <laughs> but that's just why I laughed. So I just wanted to explain that. But, you know, speaking of, you know, being in the public eye and uh, as an athlete, the other super unfortunate thing is that there is still a lot of pressure on women, particularly in the media, to, to look a certain way, even though you know, as athletes, you really shouldn't be judged on exactly what you spoke about earlier, anything but your ability. What's that like for you? Do you, have you ever felt that pressure or been judged? You know, you said you're six foot, you're incredibly strong and it's incredible and, you know, amazing, but the media can be cruel. How do you deal with that? I'd be lying if I said that I just cruised through life and nothing ever affected me. I'm human and, you know, people's opinions in the past have gotten to me especially when I started out in the league. I was 19. 
Um, mm. You're going through your own struggles and, you know, embracing yourself and loving yourself, um, going through that whole journey at that age. And I think that, I think that it's frustrating as a woman um, being told what you should and shouldn't, you know, do or look like. And going back to what I was saying about when I was younger, all I wanted to do was fit in back then. Mm. Now I'm like the complete opposite. I'm like, I don't want to be anyone else. Like, I love who I am. <laughs> like, but it's taken such a long time to get there. And through that time of self-discovery, adding another layer of other people's perception and mm. um, what an athlete at this level should look like and what a female should represent in the media is so hard. Like it's so hard because you're already going through the journey yourself, but you have this constant reminder of what this should be and what you should be. And um, it definitely doesn't help. And I've definitely had my days where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm so, like, I'm on the outer and, um, you know, I need to do this, I need to wear this, I should say this to be more feminine or, you know, I shouldn't be lifting because I don't want to be too muscly or all those things. Then you realise, like, that's what makes it great. That's what makes you great. Mm. Being Mm. who you want to be is what makes you great. And I think that it's taken me such a long time to get to that point. Um, but, yeah, it definitely doesn't help, like, having other people's opinion and perception. Yeah. For anyone listening who is struggling with exactly what you just spoke about, and I suppose as Steph and I always speak about the fact that it's such a long journey and, you know, you don't wake up overnight and think, wow, I want to be unique and I want to be me now. It, it takes such a long time what would your advice be to them for things that you did or you said to yourself to be able to get into the amazing headspace that you're in now? Um, yeah, honestly, I think that every day you're changing within yourself and, you know, how I feel right now at 24 is probably going to change in another 10 years. <laughs> um, and I think that you can't, you can't compare yourself to other people. I know it sounds cliche and there will be that glass shattering moment for you. Everyone will have that moment. Um, You're not comparing apples and apples here. You're comparing apples, bananas, pears, watermelon. Mm. No one is the same. And when you realise your value is you, then you you understand that you trying to be someone else takes, takes away your value. And... Yeah, it's it's taken me 24 years to get to this point. But now that I am, like, I can just be free. I feel like the most fulfilled and the most happy that I've been because I'm not trying to impress people. I don't care. I'm in here. Yeah. I'm wearing a T-shirt right now, a Space Jam T-shirt that I love. But I know. I'm, like, I'm really don't... loving it, by the way. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't I'm... care. I love Space <laughs> But it's so nice. Like, I think if you are, if I had this... Two years ago, I probably would have been like, I need to chuck on makeup. I need to do this. I need to do that (laughs) for other people. Do you know what I mean? And I think that Mm. what I'd say to to others is if you're not at that point yet, that is fine. Don't feel like you need to be at that point where you love yourself. But put in the work to, Mm. to get to that point because once you're there, it's the best feeling in the world. Like when you feel like you don't have to do anything for anyone is is the best. 
That is such amazing advice. Thank you for sharing that. I think it's it, sometimes it is really, really hard to, to articulate, you know, how you got through that that stage because it can be so hard. But um, mm. I think that will help so many young people. On your experience on SAS Australia, which we've touched on a little bit, but we want to get into some more detail. Yeah. So you want the juicy, <laughs> we, juicy we just gossip. Wanted... <laughs> <laughs> we don't actually want any gossip. This is what we're here for. We, <laughs> we, um, we wanted to say we're just absolutely in awe of you and the determination and vulnerability and resilience that you showed on the show. And I mean, the way you supported your team and then also the way you hold yourself. When I saw mm. you were 24 mm. years of age, I was like, I was I was not in that headspace at twenty four years of age. You, it's so impressive that you you just, you're so mature and and yeah, the way you hold yourself is just incredible. And you're such an amazing role model for for young women and and young people. Thank you. But we wanted to ask about a statement you made to Channel Seven, and you said, "I'm a black woman in a same sex relationship working in a male dominated sport. I'm in this experience to prove that women can do this. I know what women." what women can do I've never had men beat me in my industry in any way mm. and this is such a powerful statement can you speak to this for us and why it was so important for you to go onto the show mm. obviously I signed myself up for the show to challenge myself first and foremost mm. but also this right there being second was just being represent showing some representation when I was younger, all I wanted was someone in front of me that showed me I could do what I wanted to do. So when I had the opportunity to go on the show, I mean, it's it's obviously the actions speak louder than words. For me, I knew that I could say whatever I wanted to say, but if I wasn't going to do what I was going to do, it wasn't going to mean anything. And for me, I just find that women are so capable like I'm such a I'm a proud woman and I've met so many amazing women who are held back because they feel like they can't achieve whatever they want to achieve and it doesn't have to be a physical thing like the course for me um it can be anything as long as you set your mind to it and when I was in there don't get me wrong it was hard like, it was so hard, harder than what I thought it was going to be. And I was scared. Like, I was scared and that's okay. But I think that when I was in there and I was surrounded by the incredible women that were also in there with me, it was almost like that that sense of like, yes, we've got to do this, not just for ourselves, but for any, you know, young girl or woman, man or, you know, young boy. I don't care who it is, but people that just want to be inspired to just go and do what they want to do um because I didn't get that as a kid I didn't have those people um that inspired me to to push forward and and go and achieve what I wanted to achieve so um yeah I think it's important obviously I wanted to go in there and do what I need to do for myself but definitely I can understand the weight for other people watching as well yeah well I you've definitely inspired and motivated um myself and I know a lot of people watching you so um you've done that (laughs) that's amazing as you said it was incredibly hard you guys are pushed literally to your limits Mm. so many through so many things both physically and mentally and we'd love to know if there's like any 
I'm sure it was all very tough, but was there anything in particular that was like the most physically challenging or the most mentally challenging thing that you had to go through? Yeah. I think that um, there was a task that I had the free fall and I actually hurt my back um, in that. And it probably wasn't painted as serious as it actually was at the time. Um, I was really worried. One, because... I had, you know, gotten the approval from the club to do this show mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I've hurt my back and I didn't, I, you know, I thought the worst, honestly, I did think the worst at the time, but I think that I had a decision to make at that moment because they could only give me, you know, something to just ease the pain. They couldn't fix it. So I had the decision to sort of either go or carry on and um, in that moment making that decision to carry on that next day was the toughest day in in the course Mm. I was battling so much pain and um and in your mind you're just saying why are you putting yourself through this you know what you can easily just go home and for me that was the toughest day because every minute it was me talking myself out of it was just it's okay Mm. you know you can go through the snow you can pull a sled behind you you can do all these things and you're just like (laughs) even on my best day it would have been tough but it was tough and you can't show that either you've just got to internalize it and just Mm. yeah deal with it um but that was tough 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 the whole course is tough but that day was yeah reliving that was hard (laughs) I think particularly for you, I mean, as an athlete, as you said, like your biggest fear with that was, you know, what if this injury, what if I make it worse and then I can't play and, you yeah. know, that's kind of like what you love. So that I can only imagine how hard that would have been to um, push through and kind of work out within yourself if you were going to be okay or not. Um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it was a big risk. <laughs> But I think it paid off. I think I was all right. I'm all right now. So it was okay. <laughs> Oh, it's crazy. And it's so contrasted from everything as an athlete. This is what, when I watch, I just think like, you know, as an athlete, when you feel pain, you stop mm-hmm. and you go to 50 physios, you know, mm-hmm. at, with the, with the AFL women's there's, you get the best, the best treatment. There mm-hmm. always, you know, it, there's all of these services available mm-hmm. and you would never, after having a serious back injury, go and pull a, sl- a sled <laughs> and then, you know, got, maybe you do one ten, of the, um, the ice thing you had to do. That was oh. <laughs> Ten Ks through the snow, <laughs> pulling 40 kilos behind you through the snow. It's, yeah, insane. But I think my biggest learning through that is it genuinely is the power of the mind. Like it is 100% yeah. a power of the mind because, yeah, one, if I gave my body and if I gave my mind one moment of like, I can't do this, I reckon I would have just tapped out. But it was like not even an option. I didn't even think about it. I was just you know, going through it the whole time in that sort of zone. And, yeah, I truly believe coming out of that day that if you set your mind to it, you can you can get through it. Do you think you will now be more resilient? I mean, you're, you're a very resilient person, but do you <laughs> think from put... Because not many people are put in a position where they have to push, you know, to that point for mm. so long mm. and have that resilience... Do you, do you think from now on, like with your football career and, and everything in your life, that you'll have a different perception on it and, and you won't get, not that you would ever give up. You're, we're about to ask you about failure and, and, um, and what you think about that. But I would love to know first if, if it has changed your perception on anything. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I think, can you hear my dogs? They're barking. 
Sorry. It's fine. It's so fine. My dog Our dogs bark all the time. It's oh. a part of the podcast. Um, yeah, I think that I think it definitely will add strings to that bow for sure. I mean, I always had an idea of how strong mentally I was, and then I think that was part of me signing up for this was to really see mm-hmm. where I'm at. Um, and having that confidence and, and reassurance that I actually am capable of those things definitely gives you more confidence going forward in the future. But I think above all, it probably gives me like the no excuse factor. <laughs> like I can never complain about any training ever again. I swear, like I just can't because they'll turn around and say, you know, this isn't cold. Like you've gone through the snow. You can't complain about this. So I feel like it's... um. Yeah, I, yeah. In all fairness, I think that it probably does add more resilience. I would say to 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 me, um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to to what that brings for me for sure. And from there, what does failure mean to you? Yeah, I people always think like failure is this negative thing. And I truly believe that you don't get anywhere without making mistakes. Like you don't go, you don't move forward. So for me, failure is just, it just means you haven't succeeded in that moment. It it doesn't mean that it's over. It just means that that didn't work out right there and then. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's just how you then approach it going forward. Take it on as a lesson learned so then you can get up and give it another go because mm-hmm. that's the important part. The, the failure is just a blip in the road to give you a decision to move forward. And I think that you can't, you can't learn if you haven't made a mistake. So if you're afraid of failure, you're almost afraid of challenging yourself. And for me, I made so many mistakes <laughs> to get, my, mm-hmm. get me to where I am now. And you can even see on the show... I made mistakes, but I made a decision right there and then that, okay, that's happened, we're moving on, we're going to do the next thing and I'll make it up or I'll learn from that. And I think that that's so important. Absolutely. I think it is so important that people, you know, those who are scared of failure or have that fear of failure can can beat that. By, and I think the more that you fail, the, the easier that gets because you do see all the benefits in it. And Laura and I are the same. There's so many things that we've done wrong, particularly business-wise. There's so much we've learned by, you know, having failures and mm. I put them in quotation marks because I think we both have the exact same outlook on them as, as you do. It's, it's definitely not a negative thing to mm. fail. It just depends on what you do with that. Um, so you've gone on this show and you say you're in pre-season training now. Mm. What's next for you outside of obviously playing next season? Um, I think that I, after I finished the course, I sort of, I think I sort of had a moment where I've come back and it's COVID time and you've got a lot of period to just sit down and think. And for me, I just want to try something different. Like I've never, I've never run a marathon and I've always wanted to. So don't hold me to this, but I think I want to do, I think I want to run a marathon when the season's mm-hmm. over and done. Of course, I'm not. I'm 100% focused on the season right now. That's Don't get that twisted. Mm-hmm. Like, I am fully in the season <laughs> training really hard and, and that is the next thing. But I think that once I'm finished with the season and, and hopefully it's a successful one, 
um, yeah, I'd want to do something different. I'm not sure exactly yet. Maybe a marathon, maybe something different. I don't know, but um, I just want to try something different. Yeah. I love that. If you want a running buddy, yeah, I, I, I take still have never run them. I always say I'm going to run one, and I'm, yeah. I've got to 30k a few times, and I've never got past it. Yeah, <laughs> you can so do it. You just need to book in the time. You can yeah. absolutely do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it is a lot of time because I mean, to train for a marathon, your training mm. runs are, are two and a half hours. Yeah, it's. it's I'm it's, not there yet. Preparation <laughs> is definitely key, but this is probably going to sound very naive considering I've never ran one, but I have heard that it is such a mental battle that you could oh, actually yeah. run one without the preparation. I wouldn't do it. You could. I, you could. No, you know what? And, and Laura, and Laura, you, you could as well. But I think what, I think because you love running so much, like it's like it, it fills you with so much joy. The idea of possibly running it before you've prepped your body and then not being able to run for weeks after is yeah. like, not nah, not worth it. Yeah. 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 But I'm down. I'm down. Let's commit to a marathon. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll have a lot of street cred running with you because you've been on your sickness. And you killed it. <laughs> oh, God. So to finish up, we have got one last question. And I mean, this episode has been filled with so many golden nuggets of advice. So if you don't have any more, that's okay. But you know, we'll just we'll, I'm we'll done. see. Because you've empty. already given so much. So <laughs> <laughs> if you could give your 18-year-old self any piece of advice, what would it be? I feel like I'm echoing myself, but it genuinely would be just be yourself. It genuinely would be just don't worry about what other people think. There's obviously people that you trust, that you trust with their opinion and if you're, you know, going the wrong way and, on, you know, falling off the rails a bit or whatever it may be, but if they don't know you, don't take advice from them. Um, and just, yeah, be yourself because they say everyone else is taken and um yeah it's the most valuable <laughs> thing out there so yeah that's what it would be well thank you so much as laura said lots of golden nuggets of um but thank you so much i think um I mean, it was amazing getting to know you um over this chat and i think our community are going to be able to take so much from this chat so we can't thank you enough for your time no, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that chat as much as we enjoyed having it. If you would like to follow Sabrina, which we absolutely recommend, <laughs> we will put her details in the show notes. We'll also pop the details for our Black Friday sale coming up, which we're super excited about. And just a reminder, you can find us on the Apple Store, the Android, and also from our website, www.keepercleaner.com.au. You can sign up and join us. And make sure that if you do sign up and join the program, guys, find us on Facebook in our private Facebook community. It is one of our favorite parts of being a part of the Keep It Cleaner program is obviously joining our incredible, um, that incredible and motivated and encouraging and supportive community. It's honestly one of the best communities you can be a part of and we're very proud of it. So we'd love to have you. And as always, guys, we will be back next week um, with another podcast. But if you'd like to see more of us, you can find us on Instagram as well, personally, Laura.Hintrell. <laughs> 
and <laughs> Steph Glassmith. And of course, we've got Keep It Cleaner. We will chat to you next week. Bye. Bye.